We have uh, recently been discussing different aspects of what the Bible says about ministry and how ministry should look for the believer in the lives of the believer. We talked last week about God's vision for the church, God's vision for your life, and God's vision for each congregation of believers around the world and how they would be in line with his vision for the church and for uh, the gospel message, right? And that's kind of where we left off. And as we we're in the middle of February and we're not quite there, but we're, up, we're, we're circling the runway to celebrate Easter Sunday. We're, get, we're getting closer and closer, y'all. So we're going to start getting into some of those things as we preach in a sermon for Easter Sunday. And uh, see, we'll see if it's working now, Jay. But uh, what we're going to do is today we're going to look at one of, the, one of the major obstacles in our faith. Okay. One, is that working now? It sounds like it's working. All right. I, I, I kind of need it for the live stream, y'all, because so, people need to hear everything. I walk away from the pulpit too much. What do y'all think the biggest enemy of your faith might be? And don't say Satan. Starts with an S and ends with elf. <laughs> right? Sometimes we're our worst enemy when it comes to believing God. When it comes to trusting God and when it comes to putting our faith in what God is doing in our lives, in our ministry, in our spiritual growth, in the world. Right? How many, how many discussions have we all had? Don't answer this and don't look at nobody. How many discussions have we all had with one another in just the past six months about how the world is falling away from God and it's worse than it's ever been in our lifetime? True statements, isn't it? But if we think about it, y'all... If we just leave it there, it's, it, it's, we're almost, it's, it's almost as if we might be thinking that maybe, maybe it's all just going south and God's not going to do anything about it, or couldn't do anything about it, or can't be, or, or don't want to do anything. And we know better, don't we? We know better. We always know better because God would never have sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross the way he did so that we could be reconciled to him if we want to be. And then tell Jesus in his teaching to tell all these people to go into the world and make disciples if it weren't possible, if he wasn't going to make it happen. Remember that the best part of that is he said, I will go with you wherever you go. You're not just going on your own. You're, you're, I'm going with you. As a matter of fact, he's really saying, I want to do ministry in, on the planet and I want to use you to do it. And if we don't understand it that way, we're going to be really frustrated. And then doubt starts coming in. Maybe unbelief. Or, as we'll look at today, some, maybe our faith is a bit weak in some areas. And I, I hope you don't take that as a harsh statement. Because, you know, sometimes we, somebody says your faith is weak or tries to help you understand that you're weak in your faith. We start taking offense by that. Because our first reaction is, well, wait a minute, I believe in Jesus. I worship God. There's nothing wrong with my faith. But is there some weaknesses that we need to grow into? Is there some places God wants to stretch us and make us stronger in our faith? Everybody nod your head, yeah. Right? It's true. About, it's true for all of us. There's, we are a work in progress, y'all. 
And we will always be until we leave this planet in God's timing. So when he says go into the world and do ministry, the way we've talked about it in the last several weeks, uh, as, as far as what ministry would look like according to God's word, and when he says here's my vision that all would hear the gospel and have an opportunity to be saved and that you're going to be part of that, then we have no reason to doubt any of what he's doing. All right? That means our biggest enemy is doubt or, or unbelief or just can't quite get there, right? How many of y'all believe that God's word is absolute truth? Say yes. yes. Amen. How many of y'all believe that God can do all things? Amen. Right? We, we have no problem saying amen, right? So how come, how come when churches just like ours around the world, we start asking the Lord, how, how would we make disciples? How can we get people to come to church? How can we help people get saved? And, we're, and, we, and sometimes we pray about it. We in general, the, the body of Christ as a whole, we pray about it as if we're not sure he'll do it. Right? And here's why. I'm going to give you all a, a, an escape. I'm going to give us an escape. I'm going to give everybody else in the world an escape. It's because we haven't seen it happen for a while. We haven't seen it. We haven't put our hands on it for a while. We haven't, you know, some people come around every now and then and all that. People get saved every now and then. But we're, we're thinking, okay, if we're going to be like the church in the book of Acts, where's this God's adding to their number daily come into play? It, wouldn't that be nice, y'all? It'd be stressful. It'd be nice, but it would be stressful. Every weekend having to learn some new names and having to get them to let, let them know who we are and us formed together as a family because God brought us all together. That's a lot of people. God adding to our number daily. Right? He can do it. He can do it because we have evidence that he can do it. I think he wants to do it. We have plenty of scripture that teaches he wants that to happen. It's his will that people get saved. It's his will that, pe that people make disciples every day. It's, it's his will that the gospel is lived out in the lives of the believers every day. It's his will that people would know him. So there's no reason for us to question whether or not he wants us to make disciples. It's all about knowing God's will and then pursuing it as if it's a fact. Hello? Here's, what, here's, a, here's an example of what it might look like. You get up in the morning and it's like, Lord, I want to be used today. I want you to show me some opportunities so that I can be your disciple maker, that I can tell people about you or show people what it looks like to live for you. And then we end that prayer is like, I hope you do that for me. Sounds like a nice prayer, doesn't it? But I think the Lord wants us to get up and say, what are we going to do today? Which people are going to be impacted by me today? How, how many disciples can I make today? How, what, what's going to happen? How many times am I going to get to love somebody today? Like it's going to happen. It's a fact. It will happen because it's God's will. And, I, and sometimes, we, sometimes life is just hitting us so hard or, or, or there's so many thoughts or so many things. Maybe, there's, maybe even there's something wrong in our hearts from time to time that interferes with our faith, with, with believing God. To where we really want those prayers to be said in our life, but something's happening that prevents us from standing in the truth of them being facts. As if we don't know if God will do something. 
or we're not sure if God will bless us that way. We're not sure if this or that could be. You can even go down your own personal prayer list and have an evaluation of that, can't you? And I'm saying we, me, y'all, and every other believer around the world. All right, so please don't understand I'm picking y'all out. This is just a fact. This is just a struggle. This is part of our spiritual growth. It's sometimes it's part of our growing pains, y'all. And the more we see God do in our life, the, the stronger our faith gets and the less moments of unbelief we have, the less moments of doubt. Because I've seen God do some things in my life. And because of that, I can believe that God will do more things in my life. But at the same time, I'm just like all the rest of y'all and every other preacher that I've ever met. We all want our church to grow. We all want people to get saved. We all want God to have his way. But sometimes we sit in here all by ourselves wondering if God's ever going to make it happen. As if it's not his will. And that doesn't mean your preacher's uh, a bad preacher. It just means he's a human being. Right? And he's got his own wrestling to do. So let's look in chapter 9 of Mark, just as an, an, what this looks like, an example of what, what this battle can look like sometimes. All right? We're going to learn from this example of this faith versus doubt in Mark chapter 9. Let's just set the stage in chapter 9, nine verse 17 to 19 real quick. Okay? It shows right here. Okay. Jesus is coming back. This is right after the, the transfiguration on a mountain, right, where Jesus takes a couple of the fellows up there and he kind of reveals his glory to them in a special way. And it was an amazing moment and they didn't know what to do with it. And in fact, they were just dumbfounded by it. And they come running down the mountain and this is what's happening. Okay, verse 17, uh, one, once they're coming down, they came back and uh, they were talking about them amongst themselves. In verse 17, it says, One of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which, which makes him moot. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him into the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. Okay? And then in verse 19, uh, Jesus replies, says, And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. New American Standard has an exclamation point right there. Bring him to me. And I don't know if that exclamation point is like a frustration exclamation point or a little bit angry frustration point or what it means. But it's there. It means Jesus is having emotions about this. And he starts, off his, he starts off his response and he says, you unbelieving generation. Right? And it wasn't it Peter who er, uh, just earlier said, well, you're, you know, he's like, who do y'all think I am? Because everybody else thinks I'm this, this, and that. And Peter's like, jumps up, well, you're the Christ, of course, duh. And then here he is in the middle of this and they're all like, we don't get it. <laughs> What's going on? He calls them unbelieving generation. That's a harsh. I think that's harsh. I think that you would think that was harsh if, if someone, especially Jesus, would say it to you. Accuse you of being unbelieving. It would hurt my feelings if my Lord said to me, I'm unbelieving. 
I'm like, but Lord, I do believe in you. I do believe you're the Christ. I do believe all of these things. I believe the word of God. Because all of y'all would say the same thing because I just went through a bunch of questions and you're all like, amen, amen, that's true, I, I believe it. So what is it? What is this? What's going on here? What's, what is Jesus getting ready to do? Right? He's got this situation. It's a bad situation if you think about it. For this father, this young father, or middle-aged, I don't know how old the guy was. His son was sick, bad sick, possessed. The, this crazy situation that he can do nothing about. He's trying to figure out how to help him. He's desperate for some help. See? So he goes to the disciples because uh, if you, if you uh, remember your gospel, Jesus sent the disciples out to go and do what he was doing. Go preach the gospel, go heal the sick, cast out the demons, you go do what I'm doing. And they did that. And so he must have heard about that or must have seen something about it. So he's like, look, I brought my, I brought my kid to them and they couldn't do anything with it. So here's verse 20 and 22 as we progress through the story. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. How many of y'all think if you've seen your child uh, behaving this way that you would not be in a desperate situation in your heart and in your mind? You understand when, when emotions are that high, almost, almost every time logic will just fly out of your mind. Right? And if we're depending, if, we're, if, we're, if, our, if our faith and the strength of our faith is depending on what's in our mind always and only in our mind, we will, we will be weak all the time. Because I don't know about y'all, but emotions are pretty strong sometimes. And you don't get very rational sometimes, especially when it involves your children or your grandchildren or your loved ones. So here's this father, and this is happening, and now Jesus sees what's happening. In verse 21, it says he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? As if he didn't know. And he said, from childhood. This is, this is the way it was for this whole boy, the boy's whole life. For the whole time the father was interacting with this boy, that's what's been going on. He's exhausted by it, totally defeated by it. If, if you've ever had a child sick or disturbed by anything or having trouble with anything in their life that you can't do anything about, it's, it's a helpless feeling. And it makes one desperate. It, it, can, it can lead to hopelessness at some point if we're not careful. Right? Because there's some things in this world that just don't change, right? For whatever the reasons the Lord leaves them the way they are. So here's, here's, here's what happened in verse 22. He says, It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water trying to destroy him. This is a grave situation. This is way bigger than this man can handle or the child for that matter. And then he says this, y'all. Pay attention to what he's about to say. He's talking to Jesus. He says, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, I, I can see by the look on y'all's faces that you all have issues with what he just said. Am I right? Because we're sitting way on this side of the cross. We're sitting way, way down the road from that situation. And it's easy for us to say, well, duh, you're talking to Jesus here. But, you know, he's like, look, this, remember, this is a desperate man. He's almost all but maybe even hopeless about this whole situation with his son. 
He's run over to the disciples, who, who he knows, for, somehow he knows they were doing that for other people. So he's like getting in line. He's like, come on, here's my son right there. Take care of that. And it's like they didn't, couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So finally, Jesus himself comes because he knows that they are his disciples. See? So surely if they're his disciples, they could do it. So now he's looking at Jesus himself and he's like, okay, if you can do something about this, please have pity on us and do it. It seems like he's throwing himself at the mercy of the feet of Jesus. What's his biggest problem? Wait, don't answer that. Let's let Jesus answer that. Look at verse 23. And Jesus said to him, look at this. If you can, notice in New American Standard, it capitalizes the word you, because that's what happens when uh, God is referred to. It's always a capital letter, so you know. He's like, if you can, make, make, really, he's saying to the man, if I can, if, if Jesus can, the Lord of all can, the Savior of the world, if he can, is that what you're asking? See, if is the problem, isn't it? If is the problem, always. Always, we may never say the word out loud, but it's in our heart and in our mind that if God will do something, if God wants this, or if God knows this, if God... Sometimes if God cares. See, this is, remember, we're talking about desperate situations in life, and we all live there sometimes. I don't know how many people have been in hospitals asking me to come and be with them and pray with them. And they're like, if God cares enough about me, won't he do something? Because they're dying. And they're scared. John the Baptist was dying. And he's like, look, send word to Jesus. Ask him if he's the one. Is he really the one? Are you really the one, Jesus? Because I'm not just going to die for somebody that I've mistaken for you. Doubt came in his mind. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, look around and you tell me what the answer is. In other words, he's like, you already know who I am. You already believe in who I am. Do not let this emotion cause you to doubt what you already know you see so here's this guy and he's like he's like look if you if i can or if you can and then he says all things are possible to him who believes and that's where every believer on the planet wants to say amen real loud and get up and shout and all that which i think is appropriate because you all just said a while ago, if I said, I said, y'all believe that God can do all things? And y'all said, amen. And you said it quite loudly. That was kind of cool. Because it's easy on Sunday morning to sit here and say amen real loud. But it's harder to live it Monday through Saturday when the world's coming at you and these desperate situations are coming around. It's not that you don't believe God. It's not that you don't believe in Jesus. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that you're a bad Christian. It's just because the world sometimes is bigger than us. And when it gets dark, it's hard to see clearly. And our faith is affected by that, the strength of our faith. If we, if we could have strong faith, y'all, we wouldn't need Jesus at all. If we could have strong faith all the time, Without fault, we wouldn't have any need for the Spirit of God in our life. You remember the Spirit of God. It was told to us in Scripture that this, it's the Spirit, part of what the Spirit of God does is he, 
He cries out to the Lord when we don't even know what to say. When life is so hard. When, when the overwhelming situations that bring hopelessness into our hearts and in our minds. Not because we don't believe, not because we're rejecting God, but because it's bigger than us, y'all. But it's not bigger than God. That's what Jesus is telling him. He's like, look, it, it, all things are possible. He's not, he didn't say all things are possible for me. He said all things are possible to him who believes, y'all. That's you and me and anybody else who would believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe that uh, his death, burial, and resurrection is for the forgiveness of sins and believe that repentance and baptism and all that brings forgiveness into our life because of our faith. And the Spirit of God is given to us so that we can go into the world and make disciples. It's possible for you to make disciples. It's possible for you to make disciples while God is tending to your hopeless situation. Everybody, everybody's like, yeah, I don't mind making disciples as long as we're on the mountaintop and everything is cotton candy and ice cream, right? With God. But what about those times when your life is falling apart and your world is in chaos and it's out of control and all these things are way bigger than you could ever manage on your own and you have to depend so much on God just to exist every day. You, you guys have all been there at times. You don't think God's not using you to make disciples then? More people see God in your life in those times than they will ever see you here at church. It's a, it, it, I, I'm, never, I'm, I'm always amazed and surprised and pleasantly surprised and pleased when I go into these uh, hospice homes and nursing homes and hospitals in situations where people know that they are leaving this world. And they're doing nothing but praising God and preaching the gospel to whoever walks in the room. They are prepared to die well because of their faith and the strength of their faith. Because they've overcome this unbelief and this doubt challenge that we all wrestle with every day of our lives. And it's not because they're better Christians than the rest of us. It's because they've lived life and they've learned from the times when they were in those situations. And God had to help them with their unbelief. Like he does the rest of us. And I always walk away from those people. Every time I walk away, getting into my car, asking that I would die that way. I can stand up here and say it as confident as I want to that I, I'm, I plan on dying that way, whatever it looks like. I plan on praising the Lord and I plan on preaching the gospel. I plan on being his witness until I take my last breath with the Lord's help. But I can't promise you that because I know I got weaknesses. I know that we all fight sometimes the challenges that come with those kinds of things. This particular story you all know hits close for me. When you have situations you can't do nothing about, people are suffering and you can't change it. It challenges our faith, doesn't it? 
When we have a congregation here or anywhere else in the world, we've got a congregation that's living life and we're sharing uh, life together and we're trying to honor God and, and please the Lord by the way that we do ministry and life keeps happening to all of us and to, and to the world even. You think God doesn't know about a pandemic? <laughs> you think God didn't see us get challenged in our faith through all of that? If we're not paying attention to ourselves, then we're just like worse off than we thought. Every church is struggling from what happened with the pandemic in different ways. The world struggles about it. But you know what? The church is still strong. The church is still thriving. The church is still being the church all around the world. And if we're going to be a congregation that's part of that, if you and your family are going to be believers who are part of what the kingdom of God is doing and being strong believers and a strong witness so that we can make disciples the way God wants us to make disciples, then we have to ask God to help us with the things that we struggle with like unbelief. Because that's what holds us back. I look around the room and I see, I see every single one of y'all as a blessing. Not only to me, but to each other but to God. You're here because God. You're here because of Jesus. You're here because somebody prayed that there would be people sitting in these pews and these chairs worshiping God and be this church. That's why you're here. You're an answer to prayer. I'm here because y'all prayed to have a preacher. Work with what you got. You understand what I'm saying? And it's like, it's like if, if, okay, if, if God says go make disciples, if God says work hard here to do ministry so that we can reach people in this community, then we have to expect that that's going to happen. Well, yeah, but you don't know what the culture is like out there. You don't know what people are like these days. It's not the same. I don't know if God wants to do it. If he can, if he wants to, come on, y'all. We wouldn't be here doing this if he didn't want to, if he couldn't. It's not a question is if God, it's a question is when we. All right, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, look, what, here's his, here, this, is, this is the best moment right here. All right, he's stand, think about yourself. You're standing before Jesus himself, and you've got this problem with your son you think your major problem is your son and his sickness and his uh, uh filled with this evil thing right you think that's your biggest problem but jesus is trying to reveal that ain't your biggest problem jesus says your biggest problem is you don't know who i am and what i do and that makes me feel like congregations that struggle maybe we ought to consider i don't mean just we this church but all of us around the world we should consider is that could that be our problem not that we don't know Jesus, but just because we don't live in who he is. We don't expect him to be who he is. Because we can say who he is all day and we're all amen in it, but it doesn't match up when we're saying, what if God, what if that? And he says this right here. The guy says, I do believe. His, his, his belief system was challenged by Jesus himself. And he's like, oh, no, no, I believe, I believe. But here's the greatest moment right here, y'all. He looks at Jesus and he says, help, my unbelief. help me with what I don't believe. 
That's, that's, that's humility, that's surrender, and that's desperate, hopeless reaction to our Lord. Y'all, I'm saying you and your families, you and your personal life, whatever the big monster is that's, 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 that's causing your faith to weaken, you need to get with Jesus and say, help me, Lord, with this unbelief. Help me get over this because I know better. Because your word says different. And I know that God's will is that we don't live in that unbelief. We all know it. But life or sin or Satan or self tries to stand between what we know and what we believe. This dude is set free by this statement, y'all. Set free. Not only is he set free, but his whole situation is getting ready to be changed. All right? He says, he says help me with my unbelief. That's where Jesus wanted him to be. Remember, and it's different in all the other translations. New American Standard is the only one that says this. Back in verse 18, at the end of verse 18, he, he's talking to Jesus. He's telling him about his son. And he's like, I told your disciples to cast him out. Well, for a moment, I was like, wait a minute. You don't tell, them, you don't tell Jesus to do anything. But all the rest of the, of the uh, uh, translations, they say, I asked the disciples to do it. So I'm not going to, we don't know what the attitude was. But I do think his approach was a bit off. Right? He, he, wasn't, he, did, he, didn't, he wasn't approaching Jesus or the men of Jesus. He wasn't approaching the one who could solve the problem with the right understanding of who he is. So he says, all right, help me with the things I don't believe, Lord. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow. All right, look at verse 25 and 27. We've got to get rolling. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. That's a command statement. It was like, let me see if this works. He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, let me try this. Let me try that. No. He knew exactly what to do. He had full authority over the problem and he dealt with it. And he only dealt with it after the man cried out to him. Right? Verse 26 says, after crying out and throwing him into a terrible uh, convulsion, it came out and the boy became such like a corpse that most of them said, he's dead. Most of the people that are around it witnesses, it's like, it's like y'all, he killed him, y'all. <laughs> they were looking for the miracle and it's like, oh, he killed him, he killed the boy. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up and he got up. You understand, even the people around we're struggling with unbelief. Because what their eyes were telling them was different than what they were actually was right in front of them. Jesus is right in front of them at the time. And just because the boy was laid out, looked like he was dead, they could, they could not make their mind say, yeah, but that's Jesus. He can't be dead. That's Jesus. Jesus is doing something here. He can't be dead. They didn't go through all that. They were just like, oh, that didn't work. And then Jesus just stands the boy up and he walks off like, you should have known. You should have known. If you believe what this Bible says about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about salvation, about you, faith should be the first reaction about everything. Please don't get discouraged when we struggle with unbelief, y'all. 
No, I don't want you to get discouraged about that. I want you to be able to recognize it in your life. And I want you to be able to help each other recognize it. When we're fellowshipping together, when we're hanging out together, we're working, we're doing ministry, whatever it is, when we see it in each other's life, just gently walk up and say, hey, man, I realize what's going on, but you know better than that, right? But God is different, right? Somebody should have walked up to them people who's like, hey, he looks like he's dead, but that's Jesus, y'all. So let's just wait a minute and see what happens. And it looks like people aren't coming sometimes to the church or some other church. It looks like God's not using you to make disciples, but let's just wait a minute and see what God's really doing here. Right? And I don't know how many times waiting on God has saved my life or saved my ministry efforts. Because if it was up to me, I'd be high speed. Let's go get this done. Let's get it out there. Let's make it happen. And the whole time, Spirit of the Lord is just like, really? We said, we said when I was lit, uh, first time I ever went uh, squirrel hunting, uh, one of the other preachers had a little dog similar to one I got. And every time we went squirrel hunting, he'd let that dog out of the truck. And we would have to stand around for almost 15 minutes. Because that dog had to get out of the truck. And he would run the entire woods a couple times, just running full speed, and then, and then come back to the truck, and then he's ready to go hunt. But if you didn't let him do that, he would never, ever hunt for you. So we just knew, okay, let's let this dog get his stuff out of its system so he can be what he's supposed to be. And I feel like sometimes the Spirit of the Lord's doing that to us. He's just like, when he comes back over here, we'll get busy. You know, I mean, that's just the way it's just the way it is. And it's like this guy right here, he's like trying to make something happen because he's desperate or he's hopeless and he just can't figure it out. But it it took the Lord to get his attention and say, hey, look, you're talking to Jesus here. You're talking about your Lord. You think about what you're saying, if I can. All things are possible for those who believe, y'all. So when we talk about making disciples and we talk about the church growing and we talk about this community knowing Jesus, all things are possible for those who believe. That's all I have to say about that. Too many people lost in the world for us to not be baptizing people and discipling them into salvation. And it it certainly can't be because we're struggling with unbelief in certain areas. So pray about it a lot pray about it more than a lot notice notice this okay let me see if i can pick up where i left off all right verse 28 and 29 here's how the rest of it goes Uh oh here we go uh when when he came into the house his disciples began questioning him. okay it's all over with uh, the man the boy the man went off with his healed boy and people learned their uh, had a lesson to think about now they go in the house and his disciples began questioning him privately and, and they said why could we not drive it out And his answer was, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. And I I read that all the time, and I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in the disciples' shoes. Like, they were out doing, they were out doing it, man. They were were sent out to preach and cast out demons and heal people, and they were out doing it. Probably coming back feeling good about themselves, like, man, we can do what Jesus did. And then this one they couldn't do, and they couldn't understand it, and they were probably getting discouraged, and it's like, how come... And maybe it was a moment where they realized, okay, we're not Jesus. Even though we can do what he told us to do, but we're not him. 
little humbling moment for them. But they really were interested in what's the difference between this one and the rest of them. All right. Because somebody might just hear this, read this whole account in, in Mark chapter 9 and say, okay, well, we don't know if that guy was really a follower of Jesus or a believer, a saved, what we would call a saved believer. We don't really, so it might not apply to the church, this truth, this principle. I'm glad, I'm glad somebody might think that because then we, can go over, then we can go over to Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 17. Check this out. Check out how it's laid out over here. In, in chapter 17, it's the same account. Chapter 17, verse 16 and 17. First off, we'll look at this. He says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Don't you aren't you glad the Lord puts up with you? I mean, praise God, y'all. I mean, almost every, almost, almost every hour of the day, I'm like thanking the Lord. It's like, Lord, because he could just up and leave any time he wanted to. He tried to do that, but then he told Noah to build a boat. Let's get down to verse 19. This is, this is what we need to see. Okay, so... Verse 19, which, that's verse 20, but I'll read verse 19. It says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, just like we read in Mark, and said, Why could we not drive it out? Here's the, here's the best, here's the, the more detailed answer. He says, And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. See, early, if you just stay in Mark, that's better, isn't it? If you're one of the disciples, I'll take Mark's answer. It just means we've got to pray more. That's all it means. No, no, he's look, he looks at them and says, because of the littleness of your faith. And I can see Peter right now. It's like, but I just said you're the Christ. He says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, y'all know this, you will say this to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing, look, nothing will be impossible to you. And my question to, for myself and for all of y'all and for every church around the world trying to make disciples is, why don't we live in this? Why is it that we always have to wrestle with the littleness of our faith? I'm really trying to build y'all up today. I'm really trying to make us aware that we have everything we need to do everything God has told us to do. Everything Jesus died for us to do. Everything that's necessary for those who are lost in their sin is in place. And the only thing that's stopping me and you and any other person from participating in doing what those disciples went out to do and were awesomely amazed at being able to do, being, doing what Jesus did is our faith, y'all. The strength of our faith. Help us with our unbelief. Be careful. I'm going to close it with this right here. Be careful that when we say this prayer, help me with my unbelief. Powerful prayer, y'all. Be careful with it because we don't want to say, Lord, help me with my unbelief so that the world will know I'm some super Christian. So that I can be viral on YouTube every weekend. So that I can know that God has made me a magnificent specimen of Christianity. 
You see the danger in that, right? The moment, y'all, the moment this, that this prayer helped me with my unbelief, the moment it becomes about self, it's a wasted prayer. Wasted. You understand? This man is an example of what it looks like to be in such a desperate, hopeless situation that you absolutely need Jesus and nothing or, or anyone else. And I'm telling y'all, Jesus has made it clear that we live in this world that's filled with sin and people are perishing in their sin, y'all. People are dying in their sin. Gone for eternity from the presence of God. That's bigger than me. That's bigger than you. That's bigger than everybody on this planet. There, there are children and young people just walking away from God just because there's so much peer pressure today about believing in God. Excuse after excuse after excuse to just walk away. There's believers every day, been believers their whole life, and some bad thing happens and they just drop it all and walk away. It's a hopeless situation without Jesus. It's a desperate situation that we live in, y'all. And if we're going to say, help us with our unbelief here at Oak Grove, we're going to say it because we know people in this community that are dying in their sin. They're, 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 they're not saved, y'all. And it's totally unnecessary. Are we not desperate for those people? Are we not crying out to God? It's like, look at these people. They're lost in their sin. These people that Jesus died for, that you love, they're just lost. And they have no clue. And too many times we're saying, Lord, if you'll just reach them. If you'll just get them saved, help, help me get them. If, you, if you'll get them saved. No, it's not if. It's not if, y'all. All who will believe can be saved. And they're not going to believe according to the book of Romans unless they get, hear the gospel. That's why Jesus said, go into the world and do it and I'll be with you. And what it is, is we're doubting our own strength. I doubt if anybody will listen to me telling the gospel. I doubt if anybody will take, pay me any attention or take me serious. Because they all know I'm a sinner. There's people that I grew up with, people in my own family that still don't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. They still think it's fake. You understand what I'm saying? But that doesn't change the power of the gospel and it doesn't change who Jesus is. So you keep living it. You keep loving people. You keep sharing it when you get opportunity. And every day, you get up, we get up and we say, Lord, I'm just going to be about your business today. And in those moments where I'm not about your business because I'm, my faith is weak about it, help me in that. Help me say, yeah, but Jesus can. And Jesus will. And the gospel is. If not, we're defeating our own self. And we go home and we get on our knees before we go to bed and we're just like, Lord, I know it didn't happen today, but it's in your time and we make up all excuses. Why we think God didn't answer the prayer today. I'm telling you as your preacher, I see it. 
I see it in my mind. I see it in my heart. I see it in the word of God. All these chairs will be filled up. Not with just other believers, but with people that are getting saved, y'all. A mix of all of that. I see it's going to happen. Y'all, y'all need to ask the Lord to help us be ready for that. I mean, I'm saying we need to be praying about that. We need to ask God, okay, we, they're coming, Lord, so how, are we ready? Help us get ready for that. Help us know what to do so when people come in the door, we're not overwhelmed. Or worse, surprised that God would answer. <laughs> y'all understand what I'm saying today. Just, just help us with our unbelief, Lord. We're not failing. We're not failing. But we've got to admit that we've got some growing to do, right? We've got to admit that God wants us to be stronger in some of these areas. I love you and the Lord loves you. And he wants you to be strong. He wants you to be a strong witness in the community. Not just a, a the Lord loves you, you can come to church if you want to witness. It's like get in people's grill and love them until they can't stand it anymore. Love them just like Jesus did. He walked up to this dude and he's like, are you talking about me? Are you saying that maybe I can't do something? All right, let's, let, let's have an invitation right now. So here's the thing. If you're not saved, if, you're not, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted the word of God to be true about that, if you've never accepted the fact that you are a sinner like the rest of us, like you've offended God and you're guilty, then today's the day for you to make that decision. Today's the day for you to say, you know what? I believe that's true. I'm just going to step right into it. Because if, if, if anybody you know is one of those people that's like, well, I, I believe that God's real, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, well, let's ask God to help them with their unbelief because that's what's keeping them being, from being saved, y'all. And if, you're, and if you're hearing my voice and you're there, just step out. Just step out in faith. Say, you know what? I do believe, and I'm going to ask God to help me learn so my faith gets stronger. So I believe more and more about this truth. Because if you do believe, you should repent. You should just say, I don't want to be an enemy of God anymore. You should repent. You should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because that's what the Bible describes. That's what we do. We're immersed into Christ so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Can't be with God for eternity without forgiveness. If you can't accept God's forgiveness, then we need to ask God to help you with your unbelief. Because he has forgiven you if you just let him. Then it says we get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, y'all. And if you don't know what that's about, you need to come over here at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday because we're studying all about the Holy Spirit. And read your Bible, of course. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. If you have a decision to make, if you want the Lord to uh, save you and forgive your sins and you want to be saved and you want to continue to grow out of your weak faith, today is the day you need to make that decision.